my story is about uh, the first piano recital I had. I was in sixth grade, and uh, I remember it very vividly. It turned out later that music was going to be something I'd spend quite a bit of time on in high school and college and everything. But at the time, you know, I just remember being so nervous. Um, I had learned to play a little bit. My mom, actually, my mom had taught me a little bit. Uh, but we were in a small town, didn't have a ton of money, so I hadn't taken lessons or anything, but I guess at some point they must have decided I had a little talent. So I started taking lessons from our elementary teacher, and um, I just remember very vividly this recital because, you know, I was wearing some stylish 80s clothes or something, sitting in the auditorium of the uh, grade school and walking up there and looking out at all the parents, and it was, like, totally quiet. You know, you could hear a pin drop in the room, and then I sat down and started playing Moonlight Sonata, and... And it went really well, and I realized, wow, you know, if you practice and kind of put in the time and everything, um, I realized that I actually like performing a lot. So, kind of ironic, I guess, since this is a uh, public speaking kind of thing, and I don't always love speaking up and doing that at work, but um, if you put in the time, yeah, it can be really fun. Yeah. And you know, you're super insightful, too, because you can transfer the poise and confidence that you felt in playing piano to public speaking. You know, this frequently happens like classical dance or acting or any other kind of performance that people sometimes think, I'm not a good public speaker, but if you remember that you're good at music and that you can be good in crunch time, then that gives you that better confidence for presenting at a conference or something too. Hmm. Awesome. Good point. Okay, so my name is Brian Whitman, and uh, my story is similar to Kignesh's, who was here earlier, mm -hmm. and it involved uh, um, an incident with someone's head. And so, and when I was 17, I was an archery director at a Boy Scout camp, and we had a uh, young scout and some apples. Um, and so, when I got out of jail, um, I worked as a contractor um, for a guy named John Warren. And the lesson of the story is that don't use company resources for your personal activities. And so what I had done is one of the clients had uh, asked me to do some work on the weekend and I went and borrowed John's truck and did the work and then um, he found out about it later. And so uh, he didn't fire me but he told me that um, that's not a good thing to do because it's poor business ethics and he said it um, affects his income, he's also liable if something happens and then in general it's dishonest. Um, and you'll notice how he was able to tie in other stories. Sometimes we get prompted by other people, not just with storytelling, but um, how to react to clients, or we can borrow each other's leadership lessons and best practices. So you bring that same wisdom of being open-minded to learn from other people. Also, you were telling a joke about jail, right? Yeah, no, it was it was the timing thing. Okay, I know. I was like, oh boy, is this going to this? <laughs> it was a William Tell archery apple. Okay. But did you actually? You no, no. <laughs> Never let the facts get in the way of the story. All right. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I think my childhood really is just like playing water. So there's not something too, you know, surprise. But uh, I think uh, one thing definitely has an uh, impact on me is uh, I think uh, I like engineering, so I was good at math and uh, physics. Uh, and I, whenever I understand how things work, I think I'm very excited and I'm happy with that. So my dream is uh, uh, 
go to uh, engineering school. But in the end, I ended up in a medical school uh, for my parents' wish. So, and uh, for the first year in medical school, apparently I'm not the only one that was there uh, for parents' wish. So some of my friends basically, they, they quit. So they dropped out the medical school and uh, tried to, you know, uh, find a, uh, other paths. Uh, and I asked myself, uh, what should I do, right? Uh, I think uh, there's no other way, I had to finish. So I think I'm, I just make, make, uh, make up my mind, say, okay, I'll enjoy it, I'll learn, I'll learn it. So yes, so I think seven years medical school, I learned a lot and I really like it. And uh, after 11 years in medical career, I think, okay, I should still follow my heart. So that's why I ended up in software engineering. So I think looking back, what I learned from this is that uh, follow your heart, right? But really, uh, you know, uh, value the journey you have uh, gone through. I think a lot of things uh, I won't be able to know if I didn't go to that uh, medical school, right? So now these uh, things I learned, it really affect how I uh, handle my, my kids' uh, passion, right? her passion for support, her passion for other things. So yeah. I don't use my will to, Boy, you know to treat my daughters. Your forgiveness or tolerance, I think other people might be like resentful at their parents for forcing him to go to medical school. And just your optimism of what, you know, total growth mindset, not just of the learning, but of learning to see their side and give them the benefit of the doubt that they obviously loved you and they maybe thought that was what was best and you're still able to distill that care as a parent but also honor what's unique about them great yeah, thank, yeah, you. thank you thank you okay so um i was born in a relatively small city and people in uh, that city appreciated very well uh, uh, folks who are very good at sports. What city? It's in Romania. It's called Reshtza. Right. It's a small city. Nobody heard about it, of course. Sure, it's fun to say Romania. Like, just tell us, you know, share where you're from. Okay. So, as you guys can imagine, um, I think as I uh, as I was approaching the the high school, I wanted to be part of um, some kind of sports team. And I made it to track and field, the local track and field team. Um, with some training, I made it even to the nationals. So the national competition is like, you know, taking in any, anybody from each state and then putting in in one place and then compete against each other. Uh, that competition ended up being pretty bad. So it was a kind of disaster for me. I was like ranked number 44 out of 50. As you can imagine, now I went back to my to my place. I was sharing this with my friends, my family, and next year I trained like nuts. I spent more time training than I spent with my family, my friends. And in one, in next year I again qualified to the nationals and I won the competition. So I became the Romanian champion at 200 meters. Uh, a junior, so it's not like big, 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 big things. And you know, I felt like very, very, very proud of my achievement. So I think what this tells about me is like I'm a team player. I like competition. I, I like to. I am competitive, and I'm also very well organized. And you know, these kind of things that come you, to sports. You also have grit and an ability to 
start over and try again. You know what, there's gonna be lots of times at work where we have ideas that don't work the first time and if we can apply the same ability to say, let's try again next year, that that sets us up for success. Congratulations. Thank you. All right, so my story requires, uh, um, okay, it's, it's an incident involving cricket and for my friends who do not understand uh, cricket, I just want uh, you to remember two things. So the, between the years 1995 and 2005, Australia is like, was, like, was one of the best teams uh, in the cricketing world and uh, Indian cricket team revolved around one player named Sachin. Uh, so this incident is uh, when I was watching uh, cricket with my dad, uh, the year was 2000 and uh, uh, India was uh, playing this international tournament and the second match was versus Australia and Sachin got out, four other people lost their wickets and then uh, that's the time when people typically turn off their TVs in India. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my dad said, okay, you know what, let's just continue watching, let's see what this new guy is up to. This guy is an 18 year old uh, uh, guy by the name Yuvraj Singh. He comes in and uh, uh, he played fearless cricket, he backed his own strengths, he scored 84 runs, set up a good target, uh, India was able to successfully defend it and win the match. Almost for the last 18 years, I've been always thinking about that at uh, different points in my uh, career because I would think, what would Yuvraj do? Because nobody told him that Australia is this, you know, Goliath team that uh, uh, you're supposed to lose to. Uh, he backed his own strength, he played uh, his game. And I also always try to remember uh, what my dad was saying. Uh, let's see what this new guy can bring to the table. Mm. So, Wow, that, see, you know, sometimes we think about childhood stories and people are like, oh, whatever, what does this have to do with work? Think about what new guy, you know, what new person can bring to the team and like training ourselves to look for good in people. That is what we're talking about, this new way of living. Awesome. Not only that, it's also the elephant, the big elephant in the room, yeah. which is Australia. Yeah. You know, everybody's scared of that team. Yeah. But right. he was sometimes, yeah, sometimes the little guy gets it. Yeah, the new guy. All right. Thank you. All right. So my story is, I think when I was in the fourth or fifth grade, and at that age, uh, money wasn't a concept that I'd fully grasped. Things like things came through to me through my parents, and I just had them. So I remember one of I went to a friend's house once for lunch. And I had my lunch, it was all good. And then after lunch, I was like, hey, you know, some ice cream would be really good right now. And I could see like his face just turned to a frown. And he went inside the room and he, I could hear him ask his mom for some money. And his mom was like, you know, we don't have that much money here. And she gave him a really small amount. And he came out really sad saying that, you know, hey, I just have this much money. We can still get an, like, you know, two of the cheapest ice creams. They were orange sticks at that time for five rupees each and I had to, he had 10 rupees and that got me thinking like I should not take things for granted because just because I have them and it really taught me the value of money and this story is something I hold true to, to this day. Thank you. And you know this is just you have gratitude mm -hmm. and being able to have that lens of looking for the good um, is get, it just helps it combat, overcome worry, and also develop better connections with people. Yes, thank you. So my story goes pretty much through all my childhood. So I was taking piano lessons from grade, grade zero to grade 10. Even louder. 
so I was taking piano lessons during my old childhood. So it's like from elementary to high school. And uh, I basically lost interest to this activity by grade three or four. I don't remember exactly. But I keep on uh, taking these lessons and I basically I graduated. And the reason uh, I was doing this, I was I thought that my parents actually would be disappointed after all these investments, after all efforts that taken into uh, the training, I, I, I just would give up. So uh, needless to say, I never used these skills in my life uh, anymore and I don't play right now. So I just for uh, completely forgot how to do this. And uh, uh, the lessons probably for me is twofold. The first, uh, don't uh, afraid to share your feelings. Uh, uh, with, the, uh, with the people who you live with. And uh, the second one, uh, don't presume that people will react certain way to, you, uh, to your words or to your feelings. You never know. Awesome. You know, I think one of the biggest things people get from this program is that ability to just trust your intuition and like just have a, this personal freedom of knowing what you want and being who you are. And you really thrown a challenge to all of us to tune into that. Thank you all. So um, I've been at the, uh, the, the animal shelter volunteer and living with a bunch of cats for a long time. Then uh, when I was a kid, I remember that we had a big fish tank because my mother wanted to have it. And uh, my father needed to clean a like, couple times every month, which he hated, but he did it anyway. And uh, he was the one making sure that uh, the fish are fed. And the same for when we decided to have dog. Everybody wanted to have dog except that my father. But he, he was the one taking the dog to work and uh, feeding a dog and uh, picking up the poops. So uh, now that I'm living with a bunch of cats, I feel like I'm trying to do what he was trying to do. Um, just that sometimes having better relationships is a little bit of sacrifice of bringing happiness to somebody else. Thank you. So my story comes from when I was about probably seven or eight years old. Every year around Christmas, my mom would make us give away some of our toys. And there was like a big bin outside of uh, the grocery stores and you would go kind of just like put your toys in it and then it would be given out to families in need and typically we would pick like our least favorite toys but one year I decided I was going to be like really virtu virtuous and give away my favorite toy and it was like the stuffed dog and it wasn't special but it was like super special to me um, and my mom like warned me against it you know like asked me probably 10 times like are you sure Katie like you want to get rid of that dog and I was like yeah and so I went and I tossed it in and I was like feeling real good about myself. But then the next day I was like super upset because I didn't have this dog anymore. Um, and I was telling this to a story or to a friend and I kind of like was saying, I'm, I'm generous, I like to give things away. But my friend pointed out that um, she thought it was more a reflection on my willingness to like question things. So instead of every year like giving away the bottom of our barrel, I was like, well, yeah, but shouldn't they get like the best one, kind of? Um, so yeah, so, kind of two things, I guess. Yeah. Well, and how cool too that you shared this with a story because sometimes that's that's part of the reason I want to do this podcast is just the act of sharing a story. 
we either see it differently or somebody else will see a different strength or we get a, just a different view of it. And um, and it was a mom story. I know, I oh, kind right, of, right, right. minor role though, okay. you know. Sure, sure. <laughs> see, moms are in all these stories anyway. All right. Yeah, uh, let me get started. The story that I want to share is uh, when uh, I think I was at uh, sixth grade uh, in the Either classroom. In the classroom, the you know this you can imagine what the sixth grade uh, students are like. They they have uh, there's something to learn still, but uh, the, surprisingly they have actually kind of similar things that we we have like in positive way. Like uh, they're they actually caring each other and like helping each other, but uh, in, in the other side, like in relative way, this, that is the starting of my uh, story. So uh, I still remember uh, the name of my friend, Jason, uh, and there's some kind of bullish uh, student in there, and the student actually start, suddenly started just hitting, the, uh, hitting my, uh, student, my friend and just slamming the uh, uh, chicks by hands, and suddenly without no reason. And surprisingly, there's no no one else actually uh, tried to help uh, stop the uh, situation. And I thought, like in like a minute or two minutes later, and I start thinking there's something wrong with it seriously. And I didn't, I didn't, I still don't understand why I decided to actually do take an action. But I just uh, intervened in each other and start like persuading <laughs> the police to do it. And that worked. So what did you say? I didn't. I don't remember, but it, it worked. And like I just tried to say something, and in logical way, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And that worked. And it, uh, the the, uh, the someone who actually hit the person, you know, my friend, actually, and say sorry to the one who actually got hit, <laughs> right? And from the uh, incident, what I learned is like uh, before that, I I'm kind of normal student, like not to actually be uh, too positive or too negative, actually. I say to take action uh, if uh, that is too actually nominant to uh, the uh, other peoples, but uh, that makes me changing. Like thinking that okay, then there's something there's not far too much from me, but something that I can take action that actually makes others really helpful. Yeah. Boy, and you know the power of speaking up is like from growing our own career to creating justice and defending people. So, you know, there's so much good that comes from that ability to speak up. Thank you. Uh, so my story happened um, when I was about 10 years old. So during that time, I was really good at math at that time. So I was the, I was the top student in my class, uh, in math class. So my parents, are kind of uh, very proud of me. But uh, during one semester, I didn't that. I, uh, after my, our final examination, I got a score uh, of 93. And the full, a full score, the maximum score is 100. But it's not that bad. But at that time, I never get a score below then, uh, below ni 95. So I feel very bad. Uh, I feel very, uh, I'm disappointed about myself. And I think I will also disappoint my parents. So I did one thing. Uh, before I uh, went back, uh, before I went to home with my test paper, I fixed my I fixed my score. I changed the score from 93 to 98. So uh, I did that, and I passed. The, I gave my, the test paper to my parents, and they were very happy. And then I had my summer break. So that that summer was the worst summer I have ever in my life. So I did that. Uh, I did that thing, but I feel very guilty. And I'm so stressful during the whole summer. Uh, 
I sometimes cried in my home, uh, in my in my uh, in my home, and my parents didn't know. I just uh, at the end of the summer, I figured out I cannot I cannot hold this thing. Uh, so I just uh, told my parents about what I did. Uh, so the lesson I have learned from these things, and after I told uh, my, my parents about these things, I feel so relieved. So the lesson I've uh, learned from this thing is, the um, first thing is honesty is always the best policy. So I will never forget the feeling in that summer. So the second thing I learned is what Katie reminded me, um, is I cannot be perfect all the time. So I have to, uh, to some point, compri comprise uh, with myself. So, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> what percent, what was her score? 93. And she changed it to? 98. You guys, here's the thing, is this is the power of storytelling. A couple of details. You could say, I did well, or blah, blah. Uh, to say 93% creates that vivid. The same reason seeing curry and rice in your hair like those details paint the picture they help it be memorable so that the lesson can come through and then it allows the rest of us to think when have i been a perfectionist or when have i cheated and you know the power of admitting is frees us etc so this is you know part of how we can engage the audience really well um, so it turns out this is a mom story as well. Um, I've, I've literally changed my story three times as people have <laughs> been telling stories. Um, so yeah, to so growing up, my mom was literally my best friend, um, and she I think innately she would practice all of these Dale Carnegie principles. I mean, she would talk in in terms of you know our interests, and she would listen really well. Uh, she would watch. She would read Twilight books with us. She would gush over actors with us. Um, and so this one incident, I was going, lots of piano stories, I was going for a piano recital, my first recital as well. And uh, I had been uh, taking classes for a year or so. And right at that time, we moved countries. So new folks, new places. And uh, there was a piano competition. I thought, why not? Uh, and my mom joined me. Um, and so during uh, the person right before me, she was playing a piece. Turns out it was my piece. And she was playing it a lot faster than I was. I was like, what is going on? And then she played the first page. And she played all of my piece. And then it turns out there's a second page and a third page and a fourth page. Uh, I left the country right during when they were teaching me that. So I was like, should I go? Should I not go? And so uh, I went and I played the piece, my piece, at a very slow pace because I thought that was how you actually played it. Um, and it was just a fun story to talk about it every time I come back because uh, uh, I, we had no idea that the piece had many pages right after it and I just played the first page. Uh, and it just taught me that it, it's okay if these things happen. Uh, you go for it, you do what you know, you do it well. And you come back and it's a funny story to think about later on. So. Awesome. Um, what would be a work equivalent of something like that? Absolutely. Or, you know, if anyone's been a panelist and the person in front of you says your point, you know, how do we either just be you and not worry about it or just do the best you can and recover and it just really struck me how you said why not why not you know I think that could be a good lesson for all of us to have that same openness okay so um, <clears throat> I'm going to be sharing a story from my sixth grade 
So a friend of mine and me, we were uh, playing pen fight. So what it means is you, in minimum number of strikes, you should take the pen outside the desk in school. So we used to play it between classes when we were waiting for the next teacher to come in. And we were so intensely immersed in the game that neither of us uh, saw that the teacher had actually come. And um, in between this whole game, my pen had fallen out of the window as we were playing it by the window. And my friend was trying to reach out uh, to take it out of the window when the teacher came, caught him, took him, and took him in front of the principal. So um, I felt pretty bad for him because I was actually um, involved in this. And apparently, he was pretty mischievous. and. He has been taken in front of the principal multiple times. Um, so he came back, and then I asked him, you know, was it pretty bad? Did the teachers call you a lot? Did the principal give you a warning? I hope everything is OK. And then I gave him my notebooks where I had captured some notes of the classes that he had missed. Um, and then uh, the next day, uh, he came to me and said, uh, my dad wants to speak with you. Uh, he is waiting right outside. So I thought I didn't know what was going on. and then. Um, his dad came up to me and he handed me a new pen, um, which was, uh, I was pretty overwhelmed by that act because uh, I did not know how to react because he told me that you are probably one of the only person who has reached out to my son and asked, was it really bad? Did the teachers call you and uh, you know gave him your notes for the classes he has missed? Because everybody else keep complaining to me that your son is really too hard to handle. So. I was probably too young to kind of gain the depth of what was going on. Um, but then uh, I, I kind of realized that the actions that you do when you reach out to people, that helps them, and it leaves a lot of uh, good impact. And uh, it's never too late to reconcile with anybody that you have in your life. So, Wow. Um, you know what really strikes me, too, is a theme in several of our stories is the opposite. People reacted the opposite that we expected or assumed. And the power of kindness instead of scolding, etc. And, um, and also just the maturity that you said, I didn't know it at the time. But now that you've had to reflect and you see that power of kindness. All right.